Turn in your songbook to Psalm 25, the 25th song of the Psalter, Psalm 25. Robert Putnam, an American political scientist, has documented the loss of social capital in contemporary America, the loss of that which binds us together in the bonds of relationships. Relationships of mutual responsibility and trust. He has tagged the loneliness of our day as bowling alone. What he observed and what his research discovered was that more people than ever before are bowling, but less people than ever before are joining bowling teams. And thus, life alone is described as bowling alone. In other words, each of us is doing life by ourselves. The reality is we have moved even more so since Putnam's work from a we society, that is, we're all in this together, to an I society, hey, I'm free to be myself. The loss of community has consequences one of which is social isolation. This move from we to me has been made evident by various measures of research. One is the use of language. Measuring over time the use of the change of pronouns, we see indeed that we have moved from a we culture to an I culture. Jonathan Sachs, who was a chief rabbi of the United kingdom and the commonwealth of nations all the way from 1991 to 2013. He did a study of all the books published in English uh, and those American books as well. And he looked at them year to year from year 1900 to 2008, United Kingdom books, American books. And in his book, Morality, he says that the use of I falls from 1900 to 1965. And then in 1965, it's all about me. The use of the first person singular pronoun I and its relatives has a precipitous rise beginning in 1965. From then on, the first person is king. It is me, myself, and I. Well, matching Jonathan Sachs' study, Nathan DeWall looked at pop music for uh, top 10 songs from 1980 to 2007, and the same thing is reflected in songs. He discovered that the use of the first-person plural pronouns, we and us and our, has declined, while the first-person singular pronouns, I and me and mine, they rule the day in pop songs. That we see it in religious songs too, don't we? Now, mine's not an official study like Jonathan Sachs or Nathan DeWalls at Kentucky, but just think in your own mind. We've changed from songs like We Gather Together to Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you are in my life. Our music shifted even in church. There's something vital about community. There's something about church. There's something about being on that team. You're not bowling alone. You don't always get your way. Sometimes you have to take one for the team. 
Now, Rabbi Sachs tells a Jewish joke. It's okay to repeat it. It is told by the rabbi himself. One year, the Yeshiva University, the rowing team, they lost all their races, the story goes. And so they sent someone over to Harvard University to watch their rowing team and see what they did differently to win their rowing matches. Well, three days later, the observer from the Yeshiva team came back having visited Harvard, and he says, you know what we do? They do the exact opposite. They have eight people rowing and only one person shouting instructions. The joke being that the Jewish rowing team, there were eight people yelling and one person trying to do all the rowing. Being in community, says the rabbi, requires working together and taking instruction. Being on a team, being in a church, being in a community, there's always give and take, and none of us always get our way. Being alone is hard, too. Look at Psalm 25, verses 16 and 17. David says, turn to me. Listen to David. He's crying out to God, turn to me and be gracious to me, God. For I am lonely and I am afflicted. And the troubles of my heart are enlarged. The psalmist has an enlarged heart, but it's enlarged with troubles. Bring me out of my stress or my distress. Bring me out. Prisoners will testify to you over and over again that solitary confinement is, is as terrifying as physical torture. John McCain said of his five and a half years as prisoner of war in Vietnam that being in solitary crushes your spirit and weakens your resistance unlike anything else. And our lives have changed. The more technology we use, the less we interact with each other. And the reason that many of us would rather use a text and have a telephone conversation is it keeps us in control. You can choose what and how much to respond versus actually carrying on a boundaryless conversation that might cause us to embrace our human side and go down a path we hadn't planned. There was a cartoon in the New Yorker, best known for the cartoons, November the 4th, 2019. It shows Humphrey Bogart wearing an ivory dinner jacket and a black bow tie. He's alone at a bar with a glass of bourbon in his hand. In front of him is some electronic device, and he turns to it. Humphrey Bogart turns to the electronic device and says, Alexa, play as time goes by. A powerful image of an age in which communication technology is smarter and faster than ever before, but in which human interaction face-to-face -face and skin-to-skin -skin is lost. These focused IU encounters are all too rare, and thus we have joined the lonely crowd. So severe is this epidemic of loneliness that in 2018, Tracy Crouch, was given the task, according to the media, of being Britain's first ever minister of loneliness. Loneliness is such an epi epidemic that the UK had to appoint a minister of loneliness. Of course, loneliness isn't due. It goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, where it is said, it is not good for one to be alone. And so, Adam gives up a rib in order to have a helpmate. What prompted the appointment of a minister of loneliness in the UK? A 2017 research report by the Joe Cox Commission 
They said that loneliness was an epidemic in Britain. Nine million people in Britain feel lonely. 200,000 older Britons, listen to this, 200,000 older Britons had not had a conversation with a family member or friend in the last 30 days. Old people, totally alone. The United States isn't any better. 2018 Cygnus survey showed that 40, 46%, that means half of you to whom I'm preaching this sermon on loneliness, you fit the bill. 46% of Americans feel alone. 54% feel like no one really knows them well. Deep down, we all really want to be known, don't we? And what age group do you think has the hardest time with loneliness? Well, it's both ends of the spectrum, but most specifically, it's young people, ages 18 to 22. In this electronic age, fewer people are joining teams or going to church or joining clubs. I'll just catch it on the podcast. And church on the podcast isn't really church at all, now is it? It's just a lesson or a lecture. It's not face-to-face -face church. What is left out of the equation it's face-to-face -face and flesh-to-flesh -flesh contact. A hug here, a, a handshake there, a humorous remark and a gracious grin. How many of us have witnessed two teenagers in a coffee shop, best friends sitting right beside each other in the booth? They are hypnotized by their smartphones and neither friend looks up or says a word, not a single word to the other friend. So glad they got to spend time together, these two best friends. They are prisoners of their electronics. I want us to notice three things about loneliness. First of all, loneliness leads to sickness. Loneliness leads to sickness. Now, Psalm 25 is what Old Testament scholars would call an individual lament. A community lament is when all of ancient Israel cries out to God for help. An individual lament is when a single person, in this case probably David, goes to God with a list of worries, complaints, laments, complains. They bring it to God. In this case, it is an individual lament, probably David crying out to God. In these verses, a real sense of loneliness emerges. Look at verse 16. Turn to me, he's calling to God, he's alone. Turn to me and be gracious, for I am lonely and afflicted. David calls himself lonely. He desires for the friendship of God. He seeks it hopefully. He prays the Lord himself will turn to him and ease his loneliness. We all now in hindsight during the COVID-19 crisis that when we isolated our senior adults and when we isolated ourselves from them, there was a price to be paid that turns out might have been as high or higher than the virus itself. People dying alone in hospitals with no one but the nurse by their side and thank God for him or her for the nurse. We all saw scenes where a senior adult man would go by the nursing home and he couldn't go in and see his wife, but his wife of 70 plus years, he put his hand on the window trying in some ways to mimic an authentic touch. 
the Surgeon General of the United States of America, this year, 2023, raised alarm about the devastating impact of the epidemic of loneliness and the isolation in the United States. The Surgeon General called for action to address the public crisis of loneliness. The article reads, Today, the United States Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, released a new Surgeon General advisory calling attention to the public health crisis of loneliness and isolation and lack of connection in our country. The Surgeon General warns that even before the onset of COVID-19, that approximately half of Americans would describe themselves as lonely. It has not only mental health impact, it has a physical health impact. Listen to this. The Surgeon General said in that announcement that being alone or feeling lonely has the same impact on your health as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Being grossly obese or being a chain smoker is no more harmful to your health than experiencing feelings of loneliness. Listen to these numbers by the Surgeon General. Insufficient connection, loneliness, a 29% increase in heart disease. 32% increase in the risk of a stroke, and 50% increase in dementia for senior adults who are left alone. And finally, lacking social connection increases all causes, all risks of premature death by 60%. It's an epidemic. That's not to mention the health issues, depression, anxiety, double when you feel lonely. Now the Surgeon General says that 33% of young adults in America are living with a mental illness. 33%. It can be traced back, much of it, to loneliness and isolation. These aren't my words. These are this year's words, 2023, from the Surgeon General of the United States of America. Psychiatric Times, an article written by Julian Lagoy, M.D., says that loneliness increases rates of depression, anxiety, and substance abuse, and domestic violence, and yes, of course, suicide. Loneliness. Loneliness is not necessarily the result of being alone. We, you can be in a crowd and still feel lonely. It's an isolation that makes the world feel to you as if it is a very threatening place. Loneliness makes us critical of ourselves, and when some exterior cues affirm what we're feeling about ourselves, we end up in a loneliness loop, and we have awful anxiety and stress. Loneliness, and our self-esteem hits the bottom. Look at 17b, what the psalmist says. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Get me out of my stresses. The psalmist calls to God. Now listen to this. This is amazing. When something changes 400%, it's big. This is 400%. A study conducted by the University of California, this wasn't an informal survey, this was peer-reviewed research by the University of California, that 3,000 women with breast cancer, they were studied. And those with a large network of friends and family 
were four times, 400% more likely to survive breast cancer than those with few or no social connections. 400%. What surgery, what treatment, what medicine is best, all of those are good decisions. But if you're alone, you're 400% more likely to die from cancer. Not only does our loneliness lead to sickness, but secondly, it leads to sin. This happens several ways. I've noticed the story over and over again. A student becomes isolated from her peers. The crowd she wants to run with doesn't have a seat for her at the table. There's no place on the cool van left for her to ride. So then she begins to compromise her moral boundaries in order to find a friend who will accept her and love her. Because after all, everyone has to have someone. A dear friend of mine who struggles with addiction to substances, alcohol, and otherwise, looked back over his life's history, and what he wrote about his life's history is exactly my, my, pre, my predisposed notion. This is my friend, these are his words, not my words, a young man. Because I am alone, I try to find friendships to feel accepted and ease the pain of abandonment. While trying to fit in, my standard for relationships will decline moment by moment. Instead of trying to embrace my uniqueness, I gravitated towards the weak and the immoral. And all the hallways of my school were always packed full of students, I always felt isolated and unwanted. This matter of trying to find acceptance in relationships buried me in a hole of depression. I was swayed to make friends with people who had different moral values than I did. And the more I tried to fit in and not be myself, the more alone I felt. I was desperate for connection. And I gravitated to those with very low standards and morals. And after all, he concluded, even bad friends are better than no friends. This is what's happening to the students in our schools. God help the kid who doesn't have some group to identify with. For we're all going to end up being the member of one tribe or another. And trying to fit into a tribe will do whatever the tribal leader asks us to do, even if it compromises what we know is wrong. Just so we'll have a place at some table with someone, a friend to call our own. I've watched students compromise every single moral value that they have. Just in order to be recognized to be invited to take a seat at this table. And years later, they're in a better place. And they'll say something like, oh, that's all changed, Pastor. I was going through a really hard time right then, and I made some really bad decisions. Those were my dark days. But my soul has clarity again. Forgive my fall, Pastor. I was lost. I was alone. But now I'm found Look at verse 7 of Psalm 25. David himself says, Oh God, forgive the sins of my youth. And then verse 18, our passage today, God, forgive all my sins. Students will give up everything they believe in order to have a friend. 
Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand together, back to back, and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-branded cord is not easily broken. When you're in isolation, they'll break you. And that's why student ministry is so important. That's why our project across the street is going to be culture-changing for so many kids. Every kid has to have some place and somebody in some culture which will stand with them for Christ during very difficult days. Or they fall. Loneliness leads to sin. There's a third thing I want you to see. Loneliness leads to isolation. Loneliness leads to isolation. I was speaking with a young man this week. He knew nothing about my sermon. I wasn't even looking for this in the question. And I asked him in the course of conversation, what is your greatest fear? What is the horror of your heart? And he said, being alone, not finding friendships. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 4 through 8, verse 11, the writer says, I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens for myself. I planted them all, all kind of fruit trees. I collected for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. Thus I considered all my activities, which I did with my hands, had done the labor which I had exerted, and behold, it wasn't worth anything. I was striving under the wind, and there is no profit under the sun. Notice, he's miserable. He realizes he's done no good. And, and the whole time he's describing what he's done is I, 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 me, my, myself. Isolation is destructive. This psalm takes a very unique turn at the end. It's a complete surprise. As we come to the end of, of this psalm, look at verse 20. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you, God. Let, in, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on you. And here's the kicker, verse 22. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. At the very end, the psalmist sees that it's not just about him, but rather the individual lament becomes a community lament, and he cries out not just for himself, but for all of his God's people, let Israel, oh God, redeem not just me, redeem Israel too. A most unexpected term, a term we didn't see coming. What is true for him is now true for all the people of God. He turns from himself to the corporate people of God, the community. He realizes that he himself, he alone is not the answer, that it takes all of God's people together. The answer is bigger and broader than David. The answer is community. One of the longest longitudinal studies. You ever heard of the Grant study? Followed 268 students from Harvard. Reason is longitudinal. It covers the study for 80 years. One researcher has to pass it down to the next. Harvard then is all men, so it's 268 men. 
They tried to find out what made someone do well. Personality types, intelligence, IQ, health habits, relationships. What contributes to human flourishing? The project was led for 30 years by George Valiant. In 2008, this was his response. They asked him, what did you learn from following Harvard students for 80 years? This is what his conclusion was. The only thing in life that matters is your relationship to other people. The only thing in life that matters is your relationship to other people. Close relationships more than your money or fame are what make people happy throughout their lives. Those ties protect people from life's discontents. They help them delay mental and physical decline. And close relationships and friendships are better predictors of long and happy lives than social class, IQ, or even genetics, says the grant study of Harvard University. The best way to find cure for your loneliness is to care for other people. Find a person who needs a friend. Find a person who's more lonely than you are, and you become her answer to God's cry, her cry to God for a friend. Get out of your isolation and become us with somebody else who really needs a listening ear and a friend. And miraculously, while you focus on helping someone else with her loneliness or his loneliness, when you become the listening ear, the carrier and the courager, then you'll find that your loneliness disappears as well. Life is about relationships. Our relationship to God and our relationship with God's people, the church. That's what it comes down to. Life is about relationships. Our relationship with God and then our relationship to each other, to the church. And I know there's some people out there who like solitude and you like being alone, and, and that's good. Even Jesus got away to the mountains and pray, but then it's still relationship, isn't it? Even for him when he was alone, he wasn't alone. He was in relationship with God. Church is a family. If you remember First Baptist Church, we got something for you to do almost every day. If you're sitting home and pining, you take out that reporter and you look at all the things that are going on in the back of the bulletin. We will keep you very, very busy up here doing things for others. There's love here. Jonathan really needed David. And David really needed Jonathan. Naomi needed Ruth. And Ruth needed Naomi. And you, you need us. And we as your church family, we need you. Yes, the human condition is about relationships, about staying true and loyal and committed to one another despite all the tensions and setbacks and misunderstandings and backslidings and all the multiple ways in which we fall short. It's about consecrating the bonds between ourselves in relationship with Him and our bonds in relationship with the community, our church, worshiping and transcending our solitude. The overemphasis on I and the loss of we will leave you vulnerable and isolated. After all, the Bible begins. It's not good for people to be alone. Let's pray. Oh God, I know the half the folks in this room feel alone most of the time, and all of us feel alone sometimes. And I pray that 
the answer is that we feel called to be a good friend to someone. Someone needs that letter, that card, that encouragement, that phone call, that cup of coffee. God, we start with our relationship with you. And then we go to our relationship with your people. That's all that matters. Amen.